Assalamualaikum everyone. This is Shazia Habib and you're watching me on Fuchsia Magazine. Today we have someone very special with us. Um, it is an issue we've been struggling with here in Pakistan. We've been talking about it, uh, social media, newspapers, the news, everything is full of it all over the world. And um, we thought, why not uh, speak to someone who has experienced it if not firsthand, then he is living in, in the area and the place where all this is happening. Um, we want to address the plight of the people who are living there. And we don't specifically want to talk about the political ramifications of how to do this, because I don't think we have it in our hands to do that. Um, but yes, we can raise awareness and uh, let me first introduce who I'm talking to. This is uh, Mr. Mohammed Ambed from Palestine. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us today, first of all. Pleasure to be with you, Shazza. Thank you for having me. Mohammed's work uh, covers uh, Syrian humanitarian work. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mohammed. And he lives in the region, which is the West Bank. It is close to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, but he's living in Ramallah city. His work takes him to the Al-Aqsa Mosque. He has been in touch with people who have had to deal with, uh, with war, with genocide, with terrorism, with conflict situations. And um, I, we just wanted to hear how we in Pakistan can help and maybe telling us a little bit of the stories, what, has, what is happening there right now, Mohammed, to begin with. Sure. Um, so for me, the story is very simple, really, Shasya. Mm -hmm. um, there is a, an occupier, a military occupation force that is occupying and punishing uh, civilians uh, who live peacefully in their own homeland in West Bank, including Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip, plain and simple. Uh, there is an oppressor with one of the strongest military mights around the world, and certainly the region, with who's basically fighting and has been bombarding uh, civilian infrastructures in Gaza for the past eight days. As of this morning, there are more than 200 uh, civilians who lost their life as a result of this bombardment. More than 60 children and uh, almost 36 women have been killed by this military machine. All of that is happening uh, under uh, the eyes and ears and the Facebook social media of the entire planet. Uh, we are witnessing this in a first hand. Uh, I have family, I have friends, I have colleagues uh, who live in Gaza, uh, who we are in touch with on a daily basis, uh, who have not been able to sleep. Uh, they are terrified uh, from the constant around the clock uh, bombardment. Um, Gaza, for those who do not know, it is the single largest open air prison in the planet, uh, which means that nobody can leave the place. The occupation forces, uh, the Israeli occupation forces to be more specific, is controlling the Palestinian population from the air, from the sea, and of course on, on the ground. Uh, so nobody can move without a very explicit uh, and prior uh, you know, admissions of the relevant Israeli officials, military or otherwise. Uh, this is our story, Shazia. Uh, it's very clear. 
Okay, Mohammed, I want to know that uh, because yes, I've heard that in Gaza, you cannot just come in and out and everything is very, very controlled. What is happening? Because we see that the bombardments are taking place. We see that people are, and like you said, over 55, 60 children have died and the shelling from what we hear is going to continue. What happens when someone gets injured or, or, they, or they, they need medical help? Is there medical, because I heard on the news that medical help is not available. How do they get access to that? Well, it's important, Shazia, to remember that the Gaza Strip, uh, this very tiny, uh, one of the most populated uh, places on earth has been uh, under Israeli siege for almost 20 years right now. Uh, this is not uh, something that happened today. Yes. Uh, the, the entire population of Gaza of almost 2 million people have been basically, like, like I said, in one prison uh, with extremely limited uh, access to the outside world. Uh, those, even before the bombardment, I'll come back to the bombardment in a second, uh, those who need specialized healthcare would need to get prior Israeli uh, uh, authorization to cross from uh, Gaza to Jerusalem or to the West Bank and sometimes to a third country to access uh, medical care. Uh, it's not something that's been very straightforward. We know that uh, people, I know people firsthand who died literally because they were denied the medical access. This is before the recent bombardment started. Mm -hmm. um, right now, uh, if you question about what's happening right now, there are several uh, medical and, and health facilities that exist in the West, in, in, in Gaza Strip. Obviously, these facilities had already been overwhelmed uh, because of the bombardment. And before that, because of COVID, so the situation has already been uh, very difficult before the, the recent escalation. Uh, now, uh, depending on how close you live from the hospitals, uh, from what I heard from friends and, 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 and colleagues who live in Gaza, the streets surrounding these different uh, medical centers and hospitals, the few of them that exist, have been basically cut, which means that if you are living in a house or apartment that's a bit uh, not very close to, to the uh, medical center, to the hospital, uh, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to access the hospital, A, because of the constant bombardment uh, that's happening around the clock. Number two, because the streets have been bombed and it's physically difficult uh, to actually go to the hospital by car, which means we see that uh, on Al Jazeera and different channels. People try to walk, walk for a long time, afraid being bombed from the top. At the same time, the streets themselves have been bombed. Uh, uh, let's also not forget that uh, these hospitals and, and very few medical centers that exist have also been suffering from lack of energy. Uh, the the uh, Gaza rely on purchasing of electricity, which is needed, obviously, to fuel uh, the, the medical supplies and the operation rooms. Uh, the Israelis have not been uh, allowing the fuel to actually get to Gaza. To, 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 so people are also dying because of the lack of electricity. Uh, and when you don't have electricity, also people don't have access to their uh, apartment buildings, you know, the third and fourth and 10th and 15th stores. Uh, water that needs to be pumped, uh, you know, brought up from, from ground floors to the uh, rooftops are also being difficult to access. The entire, it's not only they're bombing people, they're also making their life like really hell uh, because of the lack of the electricity and the lack of water, as well as the lack of so, so you were saying, for example, if I compare that to a city in Pakistan where there is, God forbid, bombing or there is some sort of terrorism, we would normally have ambulances coming in 
at some point or as fast as they can and picking up those people who are injured or who've passed away and taking them to, to the hospital. Are you saying that cannot happen in Gaza? It is happening in a very limited scale. Okay. Uh, and it, like I said, I, I don't know every single inch in Gaza, yeah. but what we know for a fact is that the ambulance system, uh, A, is, is, is a few of them, B, they're facing serious difficulties because of they're afraid for their own safety. Yeah. And three, they are facing difficulties literally accessing streets to go to people. So they, they're, you okay. know, these uh, medics are doing an amazing yeah. job, you know, basically yeah. putting lives uh, at the front, yeah. but it's not all in their hands. Which, which organizations are working there right now, Mohammed? Uh, uh, do you have access to Red Cross or Medisasa Frontier or anything else? I think there are several of them. Uh, there are different, uh, you know, there are governmental uh, hospitals. There are uh, um, different sort of NGOs, small and, and otherwise, that operate have been operating in Gaza. Again, the crisis has not only this week; it's been there for for generations. Uh, but again, the 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 uh, healthcare is very very uh, limited. Uh, there are very few specialized care facilities that have been allowed to be constructed in Gaza. Again, the Israelis have not only controlled uh, the, the Gaza strips and livelihood there, they also controlled access to everything, including specialized care. In fact, just want to mention, just two days ago, uh, these, among others, uh, they killed several uh, med medical staff, uh, you know, staying in their own homes. Yeah. very indiscriminately so it, it's it's uh, again people are working around the clock to save others uh, but the israelis are not allowing them to okay. do their work okay you are in the west bank is there any form of help that is going across from there to gaza and is there any form of cooperation that you guys can see that can move things move the flow so that people are getting access to water food in the next couple of days well, uh, let me just clarify. Thank you for this question, Shazia. Again, uh, the Gaza Strip and the West Bank are basically not physically adjacent. Yes. So the, the Gaza Strip is separated from the West Bank. And both places are 100% controlled by the Israelis. Yes. So if I want to go to Gaza, uh, or if I want to send some medical or food support or food or non-food items to help my family and friends who live in Gaza. Yeah. I cannot do that because I have to facilitate this through the proper Israeli government uh, and army channels. Okay. Uh, and so, yes, there are attempts as we speak, uh, the entire West Bank, uh, Jerusalem and otherwise are mobilizing to try to see what they can uh, you know, send to support their brothers and sisters uh, who live in the Gaza Strip, uh, who desperately need all the help they can but frankly, we can't because it's not in our hand. Uh, the Israelis, again, you need to understand this. They control every aspect of our life, the border, the sea, uh, and, and, and the air. And so yeah. it's just plain and simple. Okay. Okay. Mohammed, can you share with us? Because what we, the news that we get, we get from BBC or Al Jazeera or from, from different uh, platforms or from social media. People post their own pictures. Number one, do you have access to communication? Do they have Wi-Fi? Can you talk to them? And number two, a story that we need to hear so that we can help because we know that about 55 or 60 children, I think it was 55 last night, 
uh, have passed away and uh, grown-ups as well. What is the validation of this? Are, they, are the numbers accurate? And how can, can you give us a story that can help us understand or something that will help us see what is uh, the life of a normal human being in, in Palestine? Right. Right, right. So the, to answer your first question, yes, as of still this morning, uh, there is still access to internet, uh, although uh, the access is getting weaker by the day, again, for two reasons. One, uh, electricity uh, and, and the limited electricity that's being supplied to the different housing uh, uh, in, in, in Gaza. So if you don't have a generator or the fuel that you use to uh, basic for the generator run out, you don't have electricity, which means that you cannot uh, charge your phone and you're not going to be able to access your uh, internet. Number two, the Israelis uh, have bombed more than 60 uh, residential uh, apartment buildings over the past few days and many of those uh, phone sort of uh, you know antennas uh, the, uh, are actually located on top of these uh, housing structures and they've been bombed which means that the signal that they're facing right now uh, is getting weaker because of the bombardment. And number three, again, I, the one thing that I want everybody to understand is that we Palestinians don't have access to anything without the Israeli presence. So we still use, uh, you know, uh, G3 generation of the, uh, even the, the uh, you know, cell phones, because again, the Israelis have not permitted the Palestinian telecommunication companies to access the technology that is available almost around the world. Uh, again, this is before the war. Uh, so, so yes, there is still access, but it's getting more and more limited. Uh, the numbers that uh, we are getting from the different sources, including the Ministry of Health in Gaza, uh, are increasing literally by, by the minute, not by the hour. Uh, I've been checking the numbers uh, and, and what uh, I think, what I noticed this morning actually, is that they have not been uh, updating the names of the people who have been killed because they're just way too busy, literally just saving people, so they haven't had the chance. Yesterday, the, the, the actually the uh, office of the Ministry of Health in Gaza was bombed itself. So you can you can imagine how traumatized these healthcare providers are. Uh, they need support. They need mental and, and physical support and protection uh, from this uh, the, the Israeli constant bombardment and 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 savage, frankly. Uh, uh, treatment that's happening. Um, in the West Bank where we live, uh, currently is not as, um, as, as concentrated uh, in terms of the attacks as we are witnessing in Gaza. But literally as we speak today is actually a day of uh, rage uh, declared by the different Palestinian uh, political parties, etc. which means that the entire West Bank uh, is, uh, shops are closed, it's a general strike, demonstrations everywhere, uh, access to uh, and, and, and within and between different Palestinian towns and cities, uh, uh, because it is also controlled by the Israelis, uh, is, is, is very unsafe. Uh, it should also be highlighted that, um, mm -hmm. you know, there is the Israeli army, uh, again, fully equipped, uh, like perhaps better than most other armies worldwide. There's also the uh, Israeli so-called settlers, colonizers, uh, who live on uh, basic hilltops around the West Bank. Uh, you know, my family uh, is from a town called Nablus in the north of the West Bank, about 45 minutes from here. And I live in Ramallah, which is uh, closer to Jerusalem. Uh, when uh, we went to visit our family for their Eid holiday, uh, it was incredibly uh, difficult 
uh, took uh, almost three times longer uh, to drive there. We had to speculate about which time of the day uh, we traveled to and from uh, our homes uh, with, the, with the hope that we would not be stopped or uh, shot at by these basically thugs uh, who are protected by the Israeli army, uh, fully armed uh, and always let loose uh, terrorizing Palestinians. Uh, when the eight holiday was, was over uh, and we, we, we tried to come back home, the entire city, Nablus, was closed because of, of the uh, clashes uh, with the Israeli army. Uh, we had to stay over an extra day. When we left home, my, my family's home, 6 a.m. two days ago to come to Ramallah, uh, basically we were shot at by the Israeli army at the border between, you know, trying to get out of, of, of Nablus. Your car uh, was shot at? Yes, uh, my car was, was shot at. Uh, by an Israeli soldier uh, Why? trying you to you were on the road because we're on the road and because they decided that they want to close uh, the, the, the literally there are each city has three or four gates uh, which are literally uh, you know closed and opened by an Israeli soldier okay. uh, and they open it and close it whenever they want uh, so so while it, it sounds so surreal it's and very you were real with your family when they wish when I they was with my or with my wife and my daughter. Uh, and, and, and as you can imagine, uh, we were very scared uh, yes. because uh, we, we, we hear and, and we know firsthand family members and, and friends uh, who literally were shot and killed uh, in similar circumstances. Uh, and it becomes, you know, nobody can even sue yes. this, the, the, the government. Yes. So, so this is Shazia, our daily life, unfortunately. We, we, we're being terrorized, we've been uh, subjected to humiliation in front of our kids and family members, we've been denied access to livelihood, we've been denied uh, safety and protection. Uh, we are very unsafe even in our own homes. Uh, we don't feel safe, nobody can protect us. Uh, we are denied access to basic water. You know, if, if I have a, a parcel of land uh, just outside of, 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 in fact, even in, in, in some cities here, they divided uh, the West Bank into areas so-called A and B and C, where C is under uh, uh, full con Israeli control. So if I, as a Palestinian, own a piece of land in area C, I cannot do anything about it. I cannot even build there. I cannot uh, do anything because uh, it is controlled by the Israelis. Yeah. Uh, you cannot, farmers cannot access water from Palestinian water aquifers. Uh, we don't live like human beings here. The Israelis have subjected us for far too long. Uh, and it is about time, you know, that this last and longest uh, occupation ends. That's what it is, very simple. That's why I said it's not very complicated. Uh, yeah. We must end the Israeli occupation, full point. You, you had mentioned that it's not very complicated. What is the solution that people like you have in mind in, in, in the West Bank, in Palestine? If it's not complicated, because to the world, it seems very complicated. What is the solution? Well, I think the world has been very hypocritic. Let me just say this. Yeah. Uh, you know, a uh, few years ago, uh, you know, we, when the world decided that they want to put, uh, uh, you know, adequate uh, pressure and, and stand for, for what is right, uh, we, you know, we had two states uh, established over the past 20 years. We have South Sudan and we have Timur, two new countries were established you know, from two other countries. Yeah. Uh, you know, wh why not Palestine? Hmm. 
you know, the West Bank Gaza, which is uh, basically where uh, Palestinians uh, live, as well as, of course, there are almost 1.2 million Palestinians who live inside Israel. Yeah. But the Palestinian official position has been saying, you know, we accept uh, having a Palestinian state uh, on the West Bank and Gaza, including Jerusalem, uh, or even East part of Jerusalem, uh, which, just for reference, constitute less than 22% of historic Palestine. So if you have a house of, a, of, of basically uh, 100 meters, Shazia, mm -hmm. and then uh, I come and, and take over your house, and then I start to kick you out, and then I try to be nice and I tell you, okay, I'll give you a room that is basically 20% of the entire area of your house. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and you say, okay, Muhammad, this is fine. And I'm telling you, no, no, that's not fine. I am gonna even control the water you use and the access to washroom and the access to the garden so that you barely live. And every time you open your mouth, I'm gonna humiliate you in front of your family. Yeah. yeah. So yes, it is very simple. And the solution, I think what people accept right now, still accept is two state solution with you know, two uh, independent states living side by side. But guess what? Uh, with what's happening right now, and by the time, I think people are losing faith in that. And I think, I don't know what the next generation is gonna be asking for. Yeah, 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 completely. There are uh, uh, Arab, uh, there are Israeli settlements in the West Bank right now, which are coming up. So, so but are you, are you living side by side? Are the Palestinians living side by side with the Israelis there? What, what is the dynamic over there? How does it we, work? We're not living side by side in the in, yeah. in that sense. We we uh, each and every Palestinian town uh, is surrounded by a Israeli settlements. Uh, that are built on Palestinian land. So these thugs controlled by the different uh, governments, Israeli governments, yeah. are basically stolen our land yeah. and built uh, colonization, you know, the colonized area. They built settlements on that. Yeah. And they decided this is where they live. And so they literally, they usually choose uh, the hilltops and then they start building buffer zones around them. Uh, and then the, the army, uh, protects them and they keep mushrooming, just like cancer, yeah. right? And yeah. so we, we we don't have a normal relationship with them. Uh, you know, they obviously, uh, we, we, we don't have that sort of relationship, yeah. uh, but we uh, are forced sometimes to share a street uh, or uh, a place because of necessity. But no, we don't, we're not neighbors in the traditional sense. Okay. Are there any Israeli and Palestine friends or people, acquaintances in the West Bank or where you live? I, I don't know of any specific friends or acquaintances, but what one thing they need to know is, uh, again, the, the entire historic Palestine, which includes West Bank, Jerusalem, Gaza, and, uh, you know, Israeli proper, is very small. And there are more than 100,000 Palestinians who work uh, as uh, laborers inside Israel. Uh, so these uh, folks, when they are allowed to cross the border uh, to work inside Israeli towns, you know, they obviously develop uh, relationships with their Israeli, you know, bosses or colleagues or something of this nature. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's done out of necessity. I'm sure there are, you know, again, you remind me to, 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 um, to, to mention, um, you know, Palestinian livelihood, Palestinian business yeah. 
is being controlled by the Israeli uh, government and establishment. So if I am a business person and I want to say, uh, you know, have a, a pharmaceutical company, so I want to import, uh, you know, raw material from Pakistan, um, I cannot do that without uh, getting the approval, prior approval uh, by the Israeli uh, authorities. Uh, and because the, the trucks that would bring this material, if approved, would have to go to Israeli, basically, um, border. Uh, and the Israelis will pay, uh, will, will force us to pay taxes. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of times they deny that. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't come in. So you can't conduct the business, basically. Unless it's, it's basically approved by the Israelis. And again, yeah. that's when it becomes very, very complicated. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mohammed, in your work, in your humanitarian work, can you please tell us one incident that someone or a family went through, but it gave you hope? Something that they went through, they struggle, but I mean, how do people get up every morning and, and you know, go through their day like this? What is it that gives you hope when you are working that, okay, there is a difference what I'm, what I'm doing over here? Yeah. Frankly, what gives us hope is um, our conviction that, uh, you know, we believe in our rights. Uh, we believe that, you know, uh, it's, it, we're not just came out of, of Mars and, and occupied this place. Uh, the fact that we know we have a very just cause, uh, we believe that, you know, sooner or later, we will get our rights. It's been very, very long. It's been very, very painful. It's been very, very bloody, uh, you know, Tens of thousands of Palestinians lost their lives. Hundreds of thousands of Palestinians were imprisoned or injured. Uh, you know, we, we are not a nation of beggars, uh, Shazia. We historically lived in dignity. Uh, you know, we were blessed with, uh, with, with a small country, but, but very plentiful. Uh, and people, you know, don't want to uh, leave this place. So yes, uh, people are, uh, 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 because unfortunately, uh, second generation would be born under the Israeli occupation. People got used to uh, uh, sort of be very resilient. Uh, and so you go to uh, places which are uh, in, the, in the Jordan Valley, for example, little water, little access to water, uh, 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 they make things happen uh, out of almost nothing. Uh, family work together, they support each other, they start having you know, small gardens, small farms, just to support their families. They would do whatever it needs to support their families. We're very small connected, uh, 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 you know, households. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is tempting for people to leave. But I think historically, uh, this very deep conviction uh, and, and hope uh, for the future that makes people you know, want to stay on, on their land and fight for the justice, uh, for peace, uh, for for, uh, for our rights uh, to live in a very dignified manner like anywhere else around the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great that they, I think a lot of them are farmers or it is part of the farming community that they can do without getting too much interference from the Israeli government because it's very self-sufficient. Well, it is, they're trying to make it self-sufficient, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I want to be clear, even those who are small, you know, household farming, uh, if you live in, I told you about Area C, if you live there and you want to dig a well in the, your backyard yeah. and the Israelis with their, you know, control 
they know about it. They will come and destroy it. Yeah, yeah. So, so but people learned uh, and developed this resilience yeah. uh, and and love for their homeland, for the country, yeah. be, and, and, and a way to resist occupation. Yeah. Uh, and they got to, to live with, with the minimums they have. That's, yeah. that's, I think, the secret. Yeah. So I think it's because an entire generation or two generations have grown up looking at war. And when we in Pakistan and other parts of the world, I mean, people who are 30, 35, 40 years old, all they've heard about is that this region has been at war. And I just want to remind everyone watching this that there was a time in the mid 70s, yes, in 1948, you had a Palestine state, I think it was 48 declared by, by the UN, but there were large gaps of peace and people were living, I remember people from Pakistan used to go and visit Beirut and Lebanon and, and Jordan, and they said it was one of the most beautiful places on earth. So, so it's not as if it's always been like this, but generations have grown up. What is the impact on children, Mohammed? very quickly? It's very difficult. Uh, children witnessing this, this atrocities firsthand, uh, the psychological uh, uh, impact is, is very, very painful. Uh, I am really afraid, I know, like I said, more than 60 kids died over this past week yeah. uh, and, and, and a lot of hundreds or probably thousands of them, tens of thousands of them are, you know, experiencing this terror over the past eight days, they're not sleeping. Uh, it's, it's, I really feel for this generation uh, of how they will deal with, with the, the future. Um, but again, uh, I think one thing people have seen and learned that, uh, you know, this May 15 was the 70th third uh, anniversary of the Palestinian Nakba uh, or, or catastrophe, where basically people had to be to flee their, their uh, original uh, towns inside what is known today as, 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 as Israel. Uh, and people don't want to repeat that. So never again Nakba, uh, never again catastrophe. We will be here and we are gonna be living here, hopefully uh, in, in peace with the Israelis, but it's really up to them. Uh, to decide if they want to live in peace with us, peace with dignity, peace with freedom. That's what it is. Uh, Mohammed, why, before we go, just two questions. Why so many children have lost their lives in the past three or four days? Why have so many child casualties come up? Because of the very indiscriminate attacks that Israelis are doing. The Israelis uh, are, are basically shooting missiles uh, in residential housing. Uh, and the Gaza Strip is very populated place is extremely dense, yeah. which means that when the, the missile is, is hitting a, a, any place, a, an apartment or an entire building, and there are actually, I heard this morning, 60 in, sixty apartment buildings were literally destroyed. Yeah. And so these kids and live with their families. Civilians. This is not any form of uh, uh, military, because Palestine doesn't have an army anyway. So yes, there are groups, there is Hamas, there are groups, but, but this is happening with children. So these 60 This is happening with children, exactly. Of course, the Israelis are using a pretext and accusations that there are uh, some of the military guys are hiding here and there, which yeah. is has not been proven so far. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, who are they to, to tell? The fact, speak for themselves. You have these kids who are being killed yeah. in the midst of the day as we speak, and, and, and nobody's controlling them. They need to stop. Occupation must stop. Yeah. Okay. What... It very quickly, what actually happened to trigger this? We have read articles on it in Alexa. There, apparently, it was Jerusalem Day, and it was uh, also the first year of Ramadan in in 
and the two things clashed together and they wanted the the mosque loudspeakers to be hushed up at the time when the speech was going on can you just give a two minute background why why did this spark off well like you said basically the uh with the start of the ramadan uh palestinians uh mostly from jerusalem and uh, those who, who are from the uh inside uh israel want to go to pray in the mosque as they should uh mentioning that uh, those of us who are in the West Bank and in Gaza have been denied access to uh, our uh, worship places. So uh, those who went to pray, uh, the Israelis decided this year to make life more difficult. So they put new gates in front of the uh, different, uh, you know, Jerusalem uh, walls, uh, which made it very difficult for uh, the Jerusalemites to access uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, you know, created additional tension. Uh, and so they started to basically push back. Uh, they shot at each other, uh, and this was a spark. In parallel, around the very same time, uh, the, uh, there's the Sheikh Jarrah area, uh, which has been basically, it's one of the neighborhoods, uh, Islamic Arabic neighborhoods of Jerusalem, yeah. uh, that has been you know, used by Palestinians uh, for generations. Uh, suddenly you have these thugs, uh, basically th settlers, who decided that claiming that this is something that they own and they wanted to basically uh, kick out uh, the Palestinians from, from their own houses, literally. Uh, and so these two incidents, they're denying people access to Al-Aqsa and try to kick out, uh, you know, several families. There were a few uh, families we were, we were hearing about that, the eviction. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and, and that became just way too much. And I think, people, yeah. you know, with, with, with the Ramadan and, and yeah. that sort of, People didn't want to take this crap anymore. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then demonstrations start to support, uh, you know, the, the right uh, for worship and, and the right for these Palestinian families to stay in their homes uh, and spread around the West Bank and, and then uh, in, in Gaza. And that's how the whole thing started. But again, remember, this has been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so it's just reigniting uh, the, the yes. flare, if you like. Yes, uh, yes, but okay. occupation has been there for 73 years. Totally, totally. I know it and it keeps coming back and, and that's why it keeps. Are your children going to school right now? Are the schools open? How safe is it to go to school? Uh, well, today the schools are closed because of the strike day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they have been not going very well because of also the COVID situation. Yeah. Uh, and, and but uh, you know, before COVID, yes, kids would be going to school. My kids would. Uh, we're going to school here, uh, depending where school is, how close it is to the flashpoints. Uh, sometimes these kids, uh, you know, clash with the Israelis or the Israelis would come in and clash with them. So this is again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing struggle, ongoing uh, uh, oppression uh, of, of kids, uh, of, of families and, and, and humiliation of, of, of the Palestinians. Okay, can you just very quickly name three or four organizations or uh, people you know who are helping and is there a way that we can, I know we, we have a very big easy foundation in Pakistan, which is the biggest charitable organization and yesterday I heard that they want to come to Palestine and they want to help with the relief work, but if someone like me sitting in Pakistan wants to help, what is a good place to donate or to help out in any way? I mean, are there online transfer of funds or, or how can somebody just get up and come and help? Some people just, I mean, they're medics, they want to come and help. How can they? Um, 
I'm, I'm sorry to say it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, it, it's not that straightforward. Like I mentioned to you, I live in the West Bank and I cannot yes. send stuff. And certainly, yeah. even sending money is very difficult as well. Um, I, I, I recommend people look at the Palestine Red Crescent Society. Okay. Uh, perhaps UNRWA, which is the United Nations Relief and Works Agency uh, for Palestinian refugees. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, talking to um, um, CARE uh, and Save the Children, uh, to international NGOs which have operations uh, in, 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 in Gaza, and maybe they have a better setup to sort of to receive donations and then to channel it. Yeah. Uh, but as we speak, uh, the, the borders are, are closed, obviously, and, and it's uh, Palestinians don't have control over them. Uh, yeah. So again, it's incredibly, no matter how you try to be creative, yeah. <laughs> they just keep your uh, hands tight. Okay. So you mentioned care, you mentioned save the children, and I think both of them are, uh, they have presence in Pakistan. You mentioned Palestine correct. Red Cross, and you mentioned the UN Relief Fund. Is that correct? Yeah, well, uh, the Palestine Red Cross and Red Crescent. Okay. Uh, yes, and, and yes, the, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. Okay, all right, okay. Uh, Mohammed, is there any last message you want to give to the people in, in the world? I mean, this is, we are going to put this up on YouTube or, or to Pakistanis or to fellows, brothers and sisters, Muslims or anyone, because a lot of people have stood up to support the cause. What are we getting wrong? What do you need to tell us? You're not getting anything wrong. I think uh, I, I first want to thank the, the really the international, uh, the people of Pakistan, the people of, um, you know, the US and Canada uh, and Europe, uh, who today, Indonesia, uh, South Africa, Australia, uh, the people who see the human suffering and they want to support. The problem is this uh, support has not translated uh, into influencing the decision making uh, uh, the, uh, of these governments. Uh, we Palestinians have suffered for way too long. And it's about time that the last and longest serving uh, military occupation on the planet ends. We must end the Israeli occupation. We must end the oppression. Uh, you know, all the support is needed, but most importantly, there needs to be more and more pressure on these governments, on the parliaments to speak up, uh, to, to, to demand, uh, that just like the international community, the United Nations was able to create South Sudan and Timur when a political decision was, was there, yeah. there is absolutely no reason why Palestine cannot be declared in 2021. Yeah. So there Knowing are... that, yeah. yes, Palestine as a country uh, on paper is recognized by more countries than countries recognize Israel. However, uh, the superpowers have not been pushing this and they keep talking about negotiations. We are sick and tired of a process. We want a result. We want to end the occupation. That's what I said, plain and simple. End occupation, stop oppression, giving us right for livelihood, for dignity, for peace and justice. Okay. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Thank you for joining us. I know you had a busy day. Thank you for putting out your cause. And I hope all those who are listening, uh, you have been able to understand a little bit about the day-to-day -day struggle that people who are, like you said, an open-air prison, who are in that open-air prison and who have to live life and be thankful for the freedom that we have and help those who don't. Um, thank you once again for- uh, Thank you, Shazia, for the opportunity.